I find it extremely difficult for you for you to define what what norm means in the sense that of course everyone's personality will be different. So, what what exactly do you mean by uh, the norm of male and female? And also, why do you think we should introduce this divide? Well, I think that this divide is very important in the sense that it plays a more of a descriptive role in science. For example, in in um, the development of humans, you can say the human genome is very similar to the ape genome. Now, what exactly do we mean by a human? Of course, some humans would develop some parts which are a bit closer to an ape than another because, of course, we have a similar sense of we have a 99 point or 98 percent, a really high similarity in the genome between humans and um, our nearest, our closest, uh, our closest animal relative. And you could say, well, there might be some gray area between the two, especially if you go back very far in history where it starts to branch off. The same thing goes in uh, between male and female. You have male and a female. And then, well, you might have some differences in between them, but we still need to have a category as uh, as kind of a more, more of just of a, of a practical area just to say, well, there is a sense of a male and there is a sense of female. Now we're talking mainly in the sex area to just say, well, there is a male, there is a female. How are we categorizing these different things? How many sexes are in the human species? You will normally say two. And of course you could say there's a difference between sex and gender. But I think that if we look at gender, then we have to really question, and this goes back to the previous question, well, how exactly do we define gender? Do we define gender as something based on the science beneath it, or do we view it as something completely detached from it? And I think that's a very interesting question that we have to discuss. Because of course, you could, if you've gotten it, or if you've noticed, my argument here is very dependent on the fact that gender is tied into sex. No, no I mean tied into science and is not actually detached because normally, especially the video I was responding to, really tied in gender with either the psychological brain scans or the science underlying it. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess there, there will be two responses to this, mm -hmm. two responses. Uh, the first one would be, if you do it like this, then the classification of male and female seems extremely arbitrary, mm -hmm. especially considering the amount of variation between the two sexes. And there's also another critique, perhaps uh, a kind of Judith Butlerian, uh, I, I guess, I guess theory of saying that well, gender is is a kind of performative gesture. So it's it's something that's inculcated into you from culture, and it has nothing to do with your biological biological. I, I guess I don't know a makeup. The gender <laughs> is just how you act, and a set of dispositions. That, that culture imbues into you. How would you, I guess, respond to, to these two critiques? One mm -hmm. is uh, gender is, comp uh, your classification is completely arbitrary. The other is gender is just a form of performance. There's no uh, mm -hmm. essentiality to it. I think if we look at the first one, and especially about gender being arbitrary, I don't think it's necessarily sex, the male and female dichotomy is uh, being arbitrary. I don't think that isn't necessarily a problem if we look at uh, scientific literature, because a lot of things, if we look at the definition or the definition of terms in science, they're not very uh, objective kind of discussions. However, they're still used, these terms are still used, despite all the variations, to provide uh, a common way to, to talk about something. For example, the, for example, if we look at um, at science, some um, chemical reactions or or the temperature, for example, we can we, the, the terms we use for these are completely arbitrary. You're creating these terms to express phenomena, even though there could be a lot of variations. 
However, we still have to have these terminology there just so or just there to provide these performative actions in our discussion. <laughs> For, Sorry, <laughs> my sister has, <laughs> has appeared and it's, <laughs> it's disturbing me, but I guess the the problem here would be why what what justifies you in in doing this you can you can say that well it is true that science uses uh some terms and some of them seem rather arbitrary for example when you classify certain species there's a lot of gray area in between but what what justifies you to do this in uh when you apply it to human human beings especially when it has a great impact on individual person's lives. I think that's a very interesting topic. And I think that this is the separation, once again, illustrates the separation between the scientific fact behind it and perhaps the subjective experience. Because I have um, made it very clear in the video, and I think people just completely ignored me saying that just because it's kind of suited their narrative a bit more. But essentially, I've made it very clear that I'm completely happy with people having subjective identifications. However, when you say, well, what allows us to, to have this kind of arbitrary distinction, we have to go to our philosophy of language and say that, well, our, the word that we're using, the male or the female sex, the word used in this situation is representative of the two antipodes. For example, if you look at north and east in the world, right, you have the north, and, the north pole and the south pole. You could perhaps look at a sphere, a globe. Like this, you can see on the top of the globe, you have the North Pole, and then on the bottom of the pole, you have the South Pole. You could say in the same way that, well, you might have a lot of area in between the North Pole and the South Pole. You could say, well, maybe you're um, 50 or you're 49.999% away from the North Pole and like, and then 41 or 40.11111% away from the South Pole, right? You can have a lot of variation in between the two, but it still doesn't it still doesn't stop the idea of an, a North and a South having a very important performative kind of function in our understanding of how the world is situated ge um, geograph geographically or whatever the word is for it. In the same way, if you look at uh, gender or, or actually sex, if, I, if we're just looking at this from a purely scientific way, well, you can see that, yes, there's a lot of variations between um, the male and the female, However, it still doesn't change the fact that there is indeed a male, or at least whatever is whatever rep we represent by the male, the concept of the male, assuming that all these functions ca were carried out or occurred in the correct way, and a female, assuming that everything carried out in the correct way. So we have two of these circumstances, and, when, and it's only when we look under these two circumstances that we see that there are two antipodes, if that's the best way to look at using geographical terms, and then there's variation in between, and that variation is open to be seen as a spectrum between the two antipodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I understand. But using this analogy, I just don't see why, why we have to use the words male and female, isn't it? For example, maybe you're one degree up the, the equator and another person is one degree mm -hmm. down the equator. Then we, we would, uh, under this, it would be the same as saying that the person up We'll just call them uh, situated at the, the the North Pole, and mm -hmm. the 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 person down would would we would say that they're situated in the South Pole, where in reality we wouldn't say that. So why why would we say that someone who's perhaps leaning towards uh, what we call an ideal male gender?
become male and an ideal female gender become female, even though the distance between them is much smaller than their distance to the respective poles. And, and what, what justifies you in saying, someone may ask, of, of creating these two ideal poles? What, what's the ideal male or the ideal female that they are thinking about? I think the use of the word ideal there is very deceptive because ideal definitely has a connotation that it's good and that you should be morally attached to one of these poles in a, in a perf perfect fashion. I don't necessarily think that's the case. In fact, I think most people find themselves somewhere on the spectrum, though they're perhaps further away from the 50-50 line and closer to either one side or another. There might be a few variations here or there. But for the majority of people, they, you're still mainly on either one side or the other, at least grouped together on both sides. And, and now you might say, well, what is the use of um, the male and the female? I, I just think it is just useful in the sense that for, for the majority of those 90, the 90% of the people who are very close to both sides, I, these are not actual statistics. I think it's around 8% of the people who, have, um, in, who are born intersex, which means they're way closer to the middle than normal. It's around 8 to 9%. I'm, I'm not fully sure, but, but essentially for the 90% of people who are indeed closer to the male and the female side, it is a it's just more practical scientifically to be able to say, well, that is a male sex and that is a female sex. Of course, there are some sets of areas where you get into the middle and it is very subjective and very gray. But then I would then, in response to that, just say, well, there are gray areas in all of a science in that. And that's just one of those problems which you have to admit, assuming that we look at it from a scientific lens.